Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. My guest today is Chloe Peterson. Chloe Peterson raced in the Royal Enfield Build Train Race Program, and she talks about how not getting in affected her to finally getting in to racing, how she got into racing, and how she's an inspiration to young girls everywhere. You're going to love this podcast. She's fun. She's emotional. I think you'll love it. Enjoy, Chloe Peterson. Oh, yeah. This is the podcast people have been talking about. I may have met my match on this one, Wyatt. I may have met my match on this. One, two, three. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. My guest here, I got to give this, I got to give her credit because, you know, I know how I come off the people. So I try to be, you know, like not so, I don't know, it's intimidating. I don't know. But I remember I was at a track day and I can't discuss where it was because I might get her in trouble. But we were at a track day. And so I always get there really early and she had parked right next to me. And I was, you know, sleeping in the front seat and, uh, and I popped up kind of like Michael Myers. And I saw her come, I go, oh, man, she's going to be at a track day, cool. And then we got to talk and find out she's part of the Bill Train Race program that uh, Royal Enfield and my friend Bree Poland, they uh, had, and which I think is incredible. Anyway, she got second place, got runner-up this year. in, oh, uh, in uh, Yeah, you got third? In the championship, second at Barbara. Okay, I thought you got I got I thought you got second in championship. Okay, okay, but I remember watching you race, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Because I met you, and everything was really cool, and everything. And then I saw you at last race, and you were making moves. I was like, "Oh, my girl's got a little aggressiveness." Aggressiveness is that a word? Anyway, so my guest today is Chloe Peterson. How are you, Chloe? I am great. Uh, I'm excited for this to be my first podcast. Um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm your first. I'm your first. Yes, yes you are. <laughs> <laughs> now, can, now, can we discuss uh, at the track we met? Because at the time you were like, shh, and you actually, you grabbed me like, she grabbed me like this. You go, don't tell them I'm not supposed to be here. I said, all right. Remember that? You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> So, and after that, we've been like this. And I mean, if in the bottom of my heart, like we would compare, like, how, how'd your session go? She goes, okay, how was yours? I said, okay. And then it went through the, through the course of a day and we became like this. And actually I was like, oh, when I left, I was like, oh, I think you were going out in your last session and I had already packed up and was ready to go. And I was like, okay, take it easy. And I followed you ever since. And I've been a big fan. So first of all, how, how did this all come about? The, uh, the build train race program for you. And what's your background? Like I have no, I tried to do some background research on you found nothing Ooh, that's because i'm like secret international super spy <laughs> <laughs> um well i guess we'll just start with the build train race um uh so covid hit you know 2020 things got weird uh i was working for a museum in the chicagoland area and uh they're very conscientious about the public being there like they made it like i was it oh, ground zero basically of like uh March 13th, maybe if that was a Friday of 2020. And they were like, Oh, Hey, uh, things are getting weird. Uh, we're going to shut down the museum for two weeks. And I'm like, okay, okay, cool. And uh, so I took my big desktop computer home, even though my boss was like, don't worry about it. You could just leave it here. And I'm like, nah, I think this is going to be something longer. Yeah. So Fast forward to, I think, April, we're still not at work. We don't, they keep pushing the date back of when we're going to be there. And uh, so uh, my boyfriend at the time, now fiance, we're just like, let's go street ride with some friends. Because uh, I don't know if he was laid off work too or what was going on. But uh, one of the guys that we started riding with, uh, he had a Royal Enfield. And uh, he's such a cool character, Flying Ryan. Uh -huh. And I think he's got like five Royal Enfields, but like I pulled up, I'm like, what is this bike? Like, what is this an old bike? Is this carbureted? And he's like, no, this is new fuel injected. And I was just like, hold up. This is like new old. I like this. And so I told him a little bit about like how I was into track days. I started doing track days in like 2015 mm -hmm. and uh, did some super camp uh like flat track stuff with danny walker and really enjoyed that and he's like oh well royal enfield has this build train race program but they're doing flat track you should think you could apply to that in fall and i was like wait what like they're doing a program for women and like it, like you're building the bike and there's just like 
it didn't really make sense that somebody was actually putting the effort in getting more women into racing. And it was just like, all right, whatever. I'll, I'll see what happens when time fall rolls around. But by the time fall rolled around, they brought out like a road race program. I'm like, hold up. Like this is my jam. And, uh, so I applied, put so much effort into applying. Like it was like two hours of me just recording videos and like sending it to them. And, uh, I actually didn't get in the first year and I oh. was salty. Real? Like how salty? Like, did you cry? Oh, hell yeah. I cry <laughs> about everything. <laughs> you don't seem like a crier though. You oh, really oh. don't. You don't seem oh. like a crier. Oh, I cry when I'm happy, when I'm mad, when I'm sad. Like there's tears all the time. Like, I mean, if you saw any of my podium stuff this year, I'd say, uh, I think of the, the five that I made it onto the podium because I crashed out of Road America. Yeah. Uh, I think I cried at like three of them. But that's different though. That's, I mean, when you're happy, yeah, that's different though. It's like, I'm a man, but I, I think I, I cry when I lost in wrestling. So that's different. That's sports wise. Yeah. Uh, well, of course I cried because I was like, you know, you're just like so like, you're like, I really want this manifest, manifest, manifest. And then it's just like, damn. Like, uh, so. And I didn't know why it was like, you wanted to know why. And, uh, so fast forward to like summer of 2021, I met like, a uh, the sport break track time, like ladies first track day that they have every mm -hmm. year. Yeah. And this year was at, or that year was at Groton and all the Royal Enfield girls were there. And I'm like, man, talk about putting salt in the wound. <laughs> like, there. and and so, like, I'm over, I'm just like over here on my uh, little RC 390. I'm like, man, I just, I just, ugh. Like, why aren't I cool enough to be on their team? And, uh, and so, yeah, I, and I was like, wait, none of these girls know anything. I was like, oh, is this like a Cinderella story? Like, okay, they have like all these girls who never really built a bike, but they've ridden before, but they've never been on a track. So I was like, that's an interesting take on things. Mm -hmm. And, um, but uh, I was in the bathroom at the end of the day and Jen Muki was there. She was a photographer for Royal Enfield that day. And I'm washing my hands at the sink and I'm giving her a hard time as I'm like, well, what the hell? Like Royal Enfield's not giving you a scooter to get around the track to take pictures. You're hoofing it everywhere. Like what the hell, man? Mm -hmm. It's like, make sure you're the next day or the next track you're at. They give you something to scoot around on. And then she's like, you're Chloe Peterson, right? And I'm like, Mm, she in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Smart. Like, yeah. Smart. Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. She's like, well, I remember you from your application video last, uh, like in fall. And she's like, we really liked you, but you had too much experience. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. And she's like, for the next season, we want to invite girls to have more experience. Uh, please apply again. And so I, you know, I run out the bathroom, kind of like teary eyed, like, Oh my God, they want me to apply again. <laughs> I get in the truck and then Jeremy, like my fiance, he's like, what are you crying about now? Like, <laughs> and I was like, blah, 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 blah. and then he's like, well, I guess you got to apply. And then, so I thought about it and just wasn't too sure if I wanted to apply again, but he's like, you just got to do it. He's like, you never know. You could always tell them no. Right. And uh, you can, see where it goes. So he's like, if anything, that's going to be a great learning experience and networking thing for you. So, and I applied again and I got in and, and it's still, I'm still waiting for Ashton Kutcher to come out and be like, <laughs> gotcha, you're done. But he's over now. Now, so, what, what, what made you want it though? What, what made you real, like, uh, like what, what about it made you really want it to do it though? Um, so my big thing was wanting to do the build portion of it. Mm -hmm. uh because like i mean i've been on the track i know what to do on the track i've raced before uh because i race with arma typically like it's a vintage series but yeah i've got a modern bike it's weird like that and uh so i've never had the financial capabilities to take like a brand new bike from like street version and change it over to race version because it's just it's a lot of money buy a brand new bike and then commit to buying all the parts for it and I always like to push myself into uncomfortable situations so you grow more. And I knew I needed yes. more 
uh, practice with the mechanical side of things. Cause I did as much as I could with like changing out parts or like looking on YouTube, to, like how to do things. Cause it's like, when I started riding like fresh out of college, I didn't have a lot of money. And so I had like a shitty Jigs or 750 that I had gone through like seven owners. What year? What year? 2003. I had a 2000 Jigs 750. And let me tell you something. I, I love that bike, but somebody, it, it was passed down and yeah. somebody messed with the wiring. But, no. but, when, but when it was working, when it was working, that Jigs 750, I put that against any bike on the road when it's working, when it was working. Well, yeah, I had wiring issues with mine too, but you know what was really good about that generation what? is it fit a purse, flip flops, a water <laughs> bottle, and like whatever other like a hoodie in the the tail section. Damn, and, you put a lot in the tail section. Yeah, you gotta kind of Tetris it in there, but like you didn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I never put that much. I, I just had like little stuff, like uh, like maybe maybe a jacket at the most. I never put like all that shit in there. Yeah, yeah it was sad when I went to like uh, I got two CBR six hundred Rs after that, and there was no like it was a nice undertail exhaust, so there's yeah. like you could put anything there. So I was like, okay, backpack everywhere. Just, <laughs> um. But yeah, so it was like, I never really had the money to do the stuff for the bike. So I was trying to learn as much as I could mechanically because, and it's like, I knew I had the ability to learn and my dad has an auto body shop. So he has all the tools. So I would just go over there and work on my stuff. And, um, and it's like, that's, uh, who cares about money? The more knowledge you have, I think like more of a wealth to me than anything. Yes, so knowledge is key. I mean, knowledge and learning. But like you said, man, it's about learning and making yourself a little bit uncomfortable because you become more focused that way. Now, were you always like that? Like growing up as a kid and look, just looking at your pictures on, on, on Instagram, correct me if I'm wrong. I always tell, I always tell my guests, hey, man, call me on my bullshit if I'm talking bullshit. But correct me if I'm wrong, but you seem like you were a daddy's girl. Am I correct in that? Or, or, or were you? I don't know. You seem like you were. I mean, from everything I've noticed, it just seems like you and your dad are really tight. And I and I love that. I love the picture of you and your dad and your fiance together, or just you and your dad. You had the bike reveal. And I just I love how he was always there. I think there's nothing more beautiful than when a parent is involved with their kid, but I love it when a dad is involved with his daughter. I love that. So were you always a daddy's girl? Um, I'd say it was pretty 50, 50. My mom was mostly a stay at home mom when I was a kid. Uh, mm -hmm. so I spent a lot of time with her, but when, like when she needed her own time and like my dad would be restoring his, his classic cars for like his hobby, she'd ship me over to the shop and like, I, he'd be like restoring his like Cadillac and I'd just be sitting there drawing. I was always the artsy kid. So they would always just set me up with some paint and some markers and I'd just be drawing. And sometimes we'd like drawing what he's doing or like I'll see a sign that he, he collects like vintage signage. So like I would like draw what I see on the sign because I'm like to this day, I'm obsessed with like signage and hand painted lettering. And so I was always just kind of like drawing words and whatever I could do. Uh, but I was always with him. I grew up uh, like he would drag race when I was like maybe, you know, it was like when I was around 10. He probably did that for a couple years. But then he got sick of that and converted his uh, his Camaro that he had for drag racing over to road course. So I kind of got exposed to all that stuff when I was young or I was always at a car show with him. Um, did you so enjoy that? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was really cool being around that stuff. And uh, both my parents are really into antiques and uh, stuff like that. So it was, the exposure to that was really good as a kid. And I still love that stuff. And and I I, I love being with my parents. They're, they're the best. <laughs> now, now, are you the only child? Are you the only child? Uh, no, I have a younger sister. She's six years younger than me. Okay. Now, now growing up, you were like a Tom girl, like a tomboy, you know, or, or, I mean, I know you're artsy. So I, I look at that picture of you on Instagram and the high school picture of you. And I, I love that for some reason. And I was like, just from that picture, I saw you as somebody who was like, it had a small group, a small group of friends, but you, that was your little group. And so how was it for you in high school? Like, did you have a, a big group where you were the popular girl? Cause I saw you as somebody, like I said, small group, but you were like the, the, the jokester of the group. 
So uh, funny enough, like I went to public school my entire life. And oh, then so you're I- tough. Oh, my gosh. Public oh, yeah. school. Oh, gosh. Yeah. If, <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. Public school was kind of tough by me and uh, public high school by me was going to be even like tougher, like kid wise. Yeah. And, but not like academic wise. And I'm a huge nerd. And, I could tell. I was gonna say that. But I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I was gonna oh. say, I bet you were a nerd, but not in a bad way, nerd. But just kind of nerd, like, like you say, you do your drawing, and you're kind of with yourself, and having a couple of friends, whatever, and you have the last, but you're not with the with the so called popular group. You know what I mean? Yeah. So from going from public school to a private high school, like a Catholic school mm-hmm. that was like college prep, uh, all like the like the little high school or the little. Um, elementary school Catholic kids already knew each other when I came together and it took me until I was in soccer my freshman year. How do you turn that off? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it took to like my like soccer to start becoming friends with people because everybody already knew each other. And so I, uh, I was in like the advanced art program in my high school and uh, I, I tested out with my portfolio I had from like elementary school. So I was just that. God, dog, blah, stop texting. <laughs> uh, so I tested. What happened? Who's texting you? Who's texting you? Is uh, it a my, cre- friend, my best friend, Christy. Is it a creeper? I mean, if you want me to, I'll take care of it. No, 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 no. Okay. She's my best friend. We're okay. celebrating right now. Um, what, are you, what are you celebrating? Uh, a good payout and some uh, freelance money. Oh, that's always a good celebrate. Anytime you get money like that. Uh, <laughs> are, are you going to spread the wealth? I mean, you never know. Come on down to Indianapolis. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have a party. We'll spend your money. We'll have a good time. I'm thinking about playing Sugar Mama and getting some. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, going to be my Sugar Mama? <laughs> I love to treat my fiance. I always tell him I'd love, love to make a ton of money and I just have, have him stay home and like work on my motorcycles. <laughs> I think that is great. I I love how when I mean when I see those pictures, I go, yeah, they're made for each other. Just the fact that you guys look like you're having fun and you're goofy together. He has that that weird looking suit, and and he and you sit on his lap, and I I go, yeah, they're made for each other. And I think it's beautiful. Like everything you're telling me now, I. I picture that because when I first met you, I, I saw that in you. It's weird. You know what I mean? It's like from the brief conversations we had, it was like we boom, and I could just tell all that. You know what I mean? We had a good time talking, but I could tell you were like a, I don't know. It's just everything that you're telling me now, it fits, if that makes any sure. sense. Yeah. Uh, well, funny thing, with like, uh, like you're like, oh, you're fiancé and you're made for each other. Well, we better be because I made like, so nerd again. Um <laughs> I made an ultimate man criteria list, which is an Excel spreadsheet that has a bunch of like, like, like it's an algorithm for like the perfect man for me. That's like seven years in the making. And anytime I break up with somebody, like I make sure I close the loophole so they don't score the certain percentage for me to date them. And he scored 101%. So. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So, so what were the criteria? What, What were the criteria? Uh, I mean, like there was extra credit on there. And so extra credit, which is now more of a prerequisite is like, uh, must be able to ride motorcycles or be willing to learn and then ski or snowboard. Those were like the extra credit, but like motorcycles are a prerequisite now. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, and then, so (laughs) I, I only put stuff on there that was like, uh, I accept only myself or better. So, and I'm, I'm being pretty lenient, like for Midwestern standards, I think I'm like, uh, like a s- minimum, like a solid sometimes seven day. And so it's like, okay, so you want like a seven or better for like a guy and like, like fitness level, like around me or better or whatever, but not too fitnessy, like, like he's got to have a little bit of chunk on him. A little like, bit of chunk on him. A little bit of chunk on him. I love that because if it was reversed, well, as, as a man, I have to say thick and that way it sounds good. But I love how you said, hey, I'm Midwestern corn fed. And when you said that, I lost it. When you when you text me, I'm Midwestern corn fed and I go, bingo. I loved how you said. So we say thick, but you got to have yeah, like a man with a little chunk on him, a little, little bloop bloop, a little bloop bloop. 
I don't want it to look like you spend three hours at the gym or more every day, unless I mean, that's your job, but I just don't like super fit. It's just like, it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you like that. So you like, uh, you know, like you said, it's about a seven and what else do you like? What else? Um, like, I mean, my height and taller is better. I mean, so like my dad's called like whoever I've dated, like a sample platter. I've tried a lot of different <laughs> options out there. And so I know what works. And, what kind of, uh, what kind of different options did you try? It's not like a poo-poo platter at a, <laughs> at a, at an yeah. Asian restaurant. So what kind of different options did you try? Uh, short guys, tall guys. I used to be quite the chubby chaser back in the day. <laughs> well, you were, but it, you were a chubby chaser. Yeah. You were a chubby chaser. Yeah. I mean, big guys are fun and they make you laugh and usually, uh, like, okay. So past experience. Super hot guys typically think they're God's gift, God's gift to earth in person and in bed, whatever. But usually big guys are just like they put in a little bit more effort and they treat you better. And uh, if they make you laugh, you close your eyes and you don't see them. (laughs) Man, if a dude was saying this, we will get raked over the coals. So I'm glad you're saying it. But you know what? It's true in the reverse. I mean, I, I say this all the time. I say, you know what? I said, yeah, if I had to pick, I love women who, I mean, if I had to pick, I love fitnessy women. I think soccer players have great body. Soccer players, uh, I, I like fitness women and everything. But, you know, the hotter they are, it's like they lose personality. And, you know, the women who are just a little bit a little bit heavier, a little thicker, whatever, they are fun. They, they make me laugh. They're, you know, like you said, and it's weird because, I mean, I'm glad you said it first. So anybody gets mad at me. You said it first is that if you close your eyes, <laughs> if you close your eyes and, you know, it's like, yeah, they're great. I mean, they really are. You, I mean, you, you're, you're in bed, that, that after sex talk where you're just, you know, the, the pillow talk, their pillow talk game is on point. It's a fun time. The big ones are fun. Yeah, I think everybody should try everything before they knock it and brush that broccoli to the side. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were waiting on that one. You were waiting on that. If, if We were texting last night, and we said something. I said, yeah, you know, just push that shit to the side like broccoli. And you, and apparently you liked that, because I could tell you were waiting on that like a boxer. And when I left my thing, bam, you, <laughs> you saw the opening, and you came through with it. I love it. I love it. So, okay, Chip, you tried Chubby Chasers. And what else did you try? What else did you try that you said you didn't, eh? Okay, short guys, chubby guys. What else? Oh, uh, yeah, that's about it. Just <laughs> a variety. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, so looks were only, like, a small portion of it. Uh, personality was, like, a bigger portion of it. So, like, you got to respect your parents. Like, they got to respect you. And, like, I mean, for me, it's, like, the way a guy treats his mother, he's yes. not going to treat you any better. So you got to make sure, like, he is good to his mom and that's important to me so uh just a major respect thing in general and then like since i'm very creative um i've dated some other guys who who aren't creative and they didn't really get it i mean they respected it but they didn't really understand it yes but, like, Jeremy, jeremy's very creative in and of itself he's a uh he's a pipe fitter and welder by trade so he does some really cool metal art and his fabrication skills for like motorcycle stuff is great so it's like we can bounce ideas off each other and collaborate on that or we painted a mural before in the garage together so it's it's nice being with somebody who's creative and um but you know, all kinds of stuff on there no no what exactly like what can, i know you're an artist but what kind of art do you do i mean i, I never got that yeah i'm a craft designer by trade um so like when I worked in the museum in my current job, I'm an environmental graph designer and I kind of touch on uh, branding and other random projects, but like environmental graph design, like uh, at the museum, I designed exhibits uh, where you'd walk through. So it was like trying to make the mundane or like math, science, like something visually cool and interesting to want to absorb. Um, I do a lot of retail graphics right now for like banks and credit unions. So it's like trying to make it look fun and interesting to uh get like a lot a younger clientele to come in i know the big push is to get millennials uh to join whatever bank or credit union 
And so it's just trying to make it more inviting for them. And so like you think of it like an old stodgy bank where it's just like, ugh. yeah, well, it, I, but that, that's the beauty of it. I always say young people are I mean, Some of their ideas are like, well, what, are you, what, are you, what are you going with this? But but for the most part, they have that new energy that you just can't mess with and that you have to respect and go, OK, let's give it a try. And that's the key to it. I love talking to young people because they made me like they they call it old thinking. I'm like, all right, whatever. And you go with them and no, yeah, they do. And then you go, OK, you try to like you know it's kind of like you said like chubby chasers like okay i feel a little chubby right now so you know sometimes you gotta you know brush it to the side like broccoli and you gotta like listen what they say you go okay and i think that's beautiful because my roommate's son they go up to chicago and they go to the museums and he comes back and he loves it he just got back from i think the the one with the the astronauts or whatever it shows the yeah so he loved it so i think it's awesome what you do because it's a creative mindset like do you take do you take from that from that field, what you do, do you put that into motorcycling? Oh yeah. Like, uh, for my build train race bike, uh, I designed that entire paint scheme. Um, I really wanted something that was like gold and I really love, uh, fuchsia. I'm not a girly girl, but I've really been embracing like pinks and purples lately. And I was like, how do I make gold and like fuchsia and pink look classy, but still feminine. Uh, and I really like, like being around classic cars, I really like the, uh, like you think like Mexican low rider or like a gasser with like the, the lace finish on it. Yes. Or, uh, the yeah. Impalas, the Impala, the low rider Impalas. Yeah. It was like, I want something bright, colorful, loud, something that photographs well and creates good contrast. Cause it's like, okay, you don't get very many times to have a custom motorcycle. So it's like time to play up the color, the glam, whatever, and so I really uh, made the gold and fuchsia kind of my brand colors, but I designed like my own um, like suit, uh, the Venom base layers, like any little thing that went with it, like even my thank you cards to like sponsors at the end of the year, which I still have to finish sending those out. Sorry, guys. Uh, and like, yeah, it's just like little bits to make it more to you. Like uh, before the season, before I thought I was actually going to do good, uh went for the look pro go slow look i mean <laughs> you gotta look really good if you're gonna be in a professional atmosphere Deion sanders said it best if you look good you play good and that's the truth i mean that bike honestly the colors were great and i just and i loved your i loved your uh your 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 uh your leathers everything fit wonderful i mean they really did so i love that and i i i felt that from the beginning like you said, I felt like you were looking forward to the build part. And then when it came to the race part, you were like, huh. But I felt that as the season went on, you really got you really embraced the racing part. Yes. Yeah, I know the racing part was still like, yes, very good and important. But yeah, I really grasped on to the mechanical side of stuff because the more I know about how my motorcycle works, the better I can ride it especially like overcoming issues. Like let's say something happens and you hear a weird noise and you're like, okay, well that doesn't sound detrimental. Keep riding. Or like, Oh, like a, let's say your shift linkage falls off and it's like, okay, could I finish this practice session in third gear and then figure it out once I get off the track. And like, I know the next season, whatever happens for next season, like I want to know exactly what's going on with my suspension. I want to be able to go out on the track feel the feedback the bike's giving to me and be able to come off and be like, okay, well, I was getting chattering, getting on the gas, coming out of turn three, let's bump up the preload here or do this or do that. Like, like I want to become the suspension guru. That's my goal. And, <laughs> but no. yeah, the reason, yeah. I, I, I no, I love what you, I love what you did. I love how you embraced that because it, when you just said, whatever your uh, gear linkage, whatever you lost me because I have no idea what that is. I mean, I'm, I'm strictly a writer kind of, I don't know if you ever watched days of thunder with Tom Cruise, but when they were, when, when Robert Duvall was trying to tell him all this stuff, he goes, man, I, I just drive the race car. That's all. And I'm, and that's the kind of guy I am. Like, I don't know a lot of like, I'm not good mechanical. I just know like, Oh, get on it. First gear, second gear, third gear, whatever. And, and that's all I know. Like, that's why. And I think, this series and it's it's underrated. What Moto America has done, it it's awesome because they've taken and I love I'm a big Moto GP fan. Look, a big World Superbike fan. 
And I love that. I think it's great. But what, what Moto America has done is they've almost taken people who wouldn't normally have raced and, and, and gave them a place in a racing atmosphere, which I think is so almost everybody from every walk of life can enjoy the races. You got your racer racer with the super bike class, super sport class. You got the, for the young kids, you got the little mini GP, which I think is great. And then you got you guys with the build train race with, I think it's great. You bring women in, have an all women race series, and then they have the bagger series. So with you guys, what I think is great and it's understated, but Royal Enfield, you know, and they're the, they're the oldest motorcycle uh, produ- production in, in, in the world. And so they're classic anyway. And what they're doing, I think is understated for the times that we're in now, how I I just love how women now are in a better position. I think than they've ever been. And now, you know what I mean? They're showing you can be feminine, but be in a racing atmosphere and it's showing little girls, no matter how, how minute it may seem, but there's going to be some little girl looking up to you going, yeah, I raced because Chloe Peterson, but I saw her race. And I think, and, and I think anything that takes away from that shit on TV, like the bachelorette or bachelor, and I, I hate shit like that. And the, and the Kardashians, if I never see a housewives or the who gives a shit, it will be too soon. And so I love what they're doing. So do you realize that you, you kind of could be a, a role model for the kids? I mean, yes. And I, I really like that. And I know I suffer from like a uh, imposter syndrome a little bit and Oh, not going to get emotional about it. Don't cry. Like, Please don't cry. Please don't cry. Cause if you start crying <laughs> and then they're going to ask why, and then you'll have to contact the local police department and I might get taken away. You might carry me no, on, on a podcast. So like, I don't want that to happen. It was like at the beginning of the season, I kind of like felt like, okay, like why am I here? Like, do I deserve this? stuff like that. And like a couple of people told me when that little girl comes up to you and says, wow, so cool to watch you race. Or can I get your autograph? And you're just like, what? Like me? Like, are you sure? And just, <laughs> and it makes you feel like really good to be there. Um, and it, it, yeah, just inspiring one person to get out there and ride would be awesome. Cause I, I started really late in life. Uh, riding motorcycles. I think I learned when I was 20 and then uh, didn't get on the track until I was like 24. So, but it didn't matter. Like they say in life, man, you know, I mean, uh, to me personally, as long as you're still alive, you're never too late to to go for it. Like, how did you come about like motorcycles? How did motorcycles come about in your life? Like, what was the overall goal in the beginning? Like when you were growing up, what was the overall goal for Chloe? Did you just want to get out of high school? Did you want, I mean, did you want to get a scholarship in soccer? I mean, what, what was your overall goal? Oh, well, so (laughs) I was always that kid that just wanted to do really good in school. Like I'm like, have undiagnosed high functioning anxiety like i was in kindergarten crying about what am i going to do for the rest of my life in kindergarten <laughs> yeah oh my god you were well, one of those kinds yeah it's just like what am i going to do for the rest of my life just existential crisis but like you know i just want to do good in school because you know like that's a good foundation of just like moving on and so yeah i was always goody two shoes getting straight a's uh i graduated valedictorian of my college and junior high but not high school that was too hard uh, <laughs> it was just like okay just do really good and then whatever pathway will open to whatever you want mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean i played high school soccer and that was fun until i broke my finger when i was a junior and um and then i just focused more on the art and uh and I talked to my parents later on because I was like, why didn't you put me in traveling soccer or do this or that? And they're like, well, we wanted our own life, too, because some of those traveling parents are just like nuts. Like they it's that's their identity is traveling to different tournaments. I get it. Now. Like I used to be big mad at my parents, but now it's just like, oh, I get it. I don't want kids. And then it's because it's like. I want to focus on myself, but and I'm glad they focused on themselves. And they're like, man, we knew you weren't going to be getting a scholarship anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they basically said, I'm not getting up early to go watch you play because you ain't going to make it anyway. So why should we go? <laughs> yeah, they were like, what are the odds? <laughs> and I was like, all right, I am not mad. I totally get it. <laughs> totally get it. Uh, but yeah, like, 
motorcycles really weren't in my life until like way, way late. Like I, um, like how did it happen? I was like an only child for a while. Mm-hmm. And so like, I had to come up with my own ways to entertain myself. And so a lot of it was like TV or doing art or running around outside. But I, I remember this provocative thing that happened when I was about five, there was motorcycle racing on TV. I was just flipping through and there was a helmet cam view and it was just like on a road course, they were leaning side to side. And I'm like, what is this? What is this? So I grabbed like a couch cushion off the couch and like straddled it like it was a motorcycle and like leaned side to side. And like from that point, I was like, I don't know what this is, but I like it. And like all the little boys in my neighborhood had dirt bikes. And I'd be like, dad, dad, that. I want that. Give me that. He's like, oh, you know, you're, you're like, he didn't really say you're a girl, like focus on other things or I don't want you to get hurt. Yeah. Um, but like, it wasn't until like, I was like 15, he had gotten some dirt bike from his friend who had a junkyard. It was like a police tow. So it was just like the locks were all punched out of it. Didn't have a kill switch. Um, and so he tried to teach me on that, that teaching lost lasted like 20 <laughs> minutes. And, uh, so I wasn't really good at the clutch. So he just kind of like gave up and then yeah. in yeah, college, um, I was like, obsessed with sport bikes and i'm like okay i'm gonna find me a man that knows how to ride yeah uh, like uh knows how to wrench and because i go into any relationship with like goals like okay <laughs> if, it, if it doesn't last forever i'm gonna at least learn stuff oh and- that is great that is yeah. awesome yeah like uh, we broke up but you know what i know how to tie a knot or i know how to fix a i know how to change oil yeah uh so i started dating this guy who was a complete asshole uh, <laughs> We dated for like four years, but like I learned how to ride on his CBR 1000 RR and, uh, and then he, he, oh God, he convinced me to buy this Jix or 750, which was that hot mess, but I really wanted the CBR. He's like, oh, you want to throw that. And I'm like, now I look back, I'm like, oh my God, that was terrible. (laughs) Why was he an asshole? Why was he an asshole? Um, he was emotionally manipulative, kept me on a short leash because I think he knew I was going to outgrow him. And, <laughs> and, I mean, he was like six years older than me. And oh, my like, God. Still lived with his parents. And it's like, dude, you're 30 years old, still living with your mom and dad. Like, But not- but why'd you go out with him, though? I mean, four years is a long time to go. He's an asshole. So it did it take you letting him to realize he was manipulative? Um, I mean, everybody kind of told me from like the beginning, like they didn't really like him. My parents didn't really like him. And, uh, so, I mean, I was having fun. I was young in my twenties and like, we'd go ride motorcycles and, uh, <laughs> Hey, everybody. No, no, you have to you realize like, like there's a sidewalk here and they could see us and there's a little kid and they can hear us on the outside. That's why, it's, that's why it's the greatest podcast ever. Cause they can hear us on the outside. You're being broadcast on the, on the streets here of Indianapolis. And so when people but walk by, they can see me talking to you and that's why I wave and they wave back. So yeah, but I'm listening. So yeah. So he was an asshole, manipulative, stayed with his parents, was a loser. Everybody was telling you no, but you say, you know what? I'm staying with this guy. Everything happens for a reason. And I think the timeline of like how the dominoes fall is supposed to happen for a reason. Um, I don't regret dating him because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have had like these other things happen in my life. So thank you. I'm glad I moved. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, he's just, I got what I needed. And like, yeah, I'm I'm done. And uh, he would always like, he wouldn't help me finish, get my bike to like a, like a completion point. Uh-huh. I think he knew once the bike was going to be done, I was going <laughs> to And I was just like, I gave up and I was like, I'm out. But uh, yeah, so I learned how to ride. And then like the following week, I actually went up to sport bike track time at like my local Audubon track. Like my mm-hmm. aunt's friend, uh, she's like, hey, you should come check out these track days. And I was like, wait, there is a place where I can legally go fast and not get a speeding ticket and everybody's going the same direction. There's no texting and driving. Nobody's drunk. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, mm, yes, tell me more. <laughs> so like I rolled up there, she was supposed to come with me that day because her husband was a coach and she ended up not showing up. So I came up there by myself and just kind of rolled into like the paddock area. Didn't know anybody. This it's like, the end of September, it's 90 degrees sunny. This white chocolate is melting. 
and just like I and I was like I don't know what this is but I love it so I roll up there with like an icon jacket yes mohawk like so like squid like but like with all the gear uh all the gear all the time uh-huh and I was still not quite confident with my jigsaw at the time because like you had two starts on it and then like the battery wouldn't charge anymore. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You had to be really strategic of where you park so you could bump start it, like park <laughs> uphill. Uh, really good at that. And, yes. Yeah. And I pulled up there and I was going to park and my body was like, let's go straight. But then my mind was like, let's go to the right. And I almost dumped it in front of everybody. And like, I think it was Richard Harris, the guy who owns Sport Bright Track Time. Like, I was like, hey, where do I park? And I'm like mid falling over. And he's like, oh, no. And he like runs out to like catch me. And I'm just like at the point of like no return about to dump this bike. Um, and they're like, just like, oh, yeah, go park over there. And so I'm walking around and everybody was super nice. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I was like, somebody tell me about what gear to buy. And I literally went home after that day and bought all the gear. And my first track day was like Memorial Day that following year in 2015. Isn't it the greatest how when you find what you like, it's like you said, when you're going through the TV and you go, what is this? Yes, yep. this is it. There's in that, that feeling in your heart where you just know it. It's almost like when, when, you know, you ask girls like, uh, how did you know he was the right one? They go, you just know. And so like, you know, like the, like the bike I have, I was looking for a new kind of bike after my seven, after my Jixer and I was looking for different bikes. Like, ah, I was looking at this and maybe this. And when I saw it, I go, my heart literally had that feeling when I used to look at women that same way, like, that's the one. And that's the, what I had. And that's why I got the bike. So I love how you found, like, did you feel like immediately, did you feel when you did your track day, did you feel like, okay, this is the community I want to be in from here yeah. on out until the foreseeable future. Yes. Yeah. And it was like, that's a like going to the track and racing is like a therapy to me. Like I know I said earlier, like super high function anxiety, my brain thinks a million miles a minute. But when I'm out on the track and like, it gets me time to focus on one thing. And basically it's like, don't die. And yes. Uh, yes. riding on the edge it calms me. Like the extreme focus that you have to have makes me feel alive. And it puts me in a trance, like uh, repeating laugh after laugh with a continual lens of improvement. It's just like, oh, it's just, I feel so good. <laughs> My body hates me, but the mind is just like, yes. You know, I, I, that's why I wanted so bad for us to be in the same group together. I re for some reason, I really wanted to be like, I wanted to, I, I, not race, but I wanted to either follow you, which sounds weird, but I wanted to follow you or whatever, see, see if our times, you know, who, how our times would be. Because it was like, when I was coming in, you were going out and we never got a chance to, you know, compare lap times. My lap times were horrible. But I, but, but I, I love that intense focus. And my worst session, that you mentioned, my worst session was when I was on the phone and I had some bad news or whatever, and I was in, I was in a bad place so but I had to go out for the second session and I and I went off the track I had bad I had a bad session and I remember the, the the guy was like get over here now and he and he was telling me stuff I did wrong I go, yeah I got you so the third session I swear to got a third session I was like okay I'm better I got that whatever it was on the phone I got that settled I went back out whenever he was like you know go to the apex in my helmet I was like yeah motherfucker I'm going to the apex and I was so I was mad at him but not mad at him if that makes any sense but I hit everything he goes good job mate I go yeah I know and but I did it because I knew I was out of my head and I wasn't focused and if that makes any sense I wasn't focused during my during my session you know what I mean yeah. so that's what the great thing about a track day it makes you focus on one thing makes you forget about everything else and you're just in your zone and it's the greatest thing in the world but and you mentioned this and I have to bring it up because it happened I want to see how you related to it in that when you were in Brainerd I know there was a death on the track in one of the classes one of the guys died like how did you take that how did you deal with that um, so I really tried to compartmentalize that. Like, mm -hmm. yes, I understand. Like, uh, was his name Scott? I think so. Um, that he was like, he was there doing what he loved. Yes. And like, and Jeremy and I talked about this cause he races too. He likes racing vintage stuff. Um, and he's actually two time national champ in his classes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we had talked about it and we were like, okay, so we're about to get married. We're, we both do dangerous stuff. Um, how, like this guy just died. How do we feel about this? And we both 
came to the conclusion, like, if we were to die, that's the way we want to go about not commuting to your job that you hate or falling off a ladder. Like that would be the way to go out. And yeah, we would both be sad, but we knew that like you were doing what you loved. And it was a very sad time. Like I know uh, Kaylee, uh, she was really close with him. So she was really upset. And I think it put her in a weird mindset, but I was like, okay, if I died out there, I want the show to, I want the show to continue. I want, everybody's clear in their mind and do what they love. And um, so I just, yeah, I was just like, okay, yes, he died. It was me. This is how I'd want to handle it. And this is how I'd ever want everybody else to handle it. So I just went out there with like, the show must continue. We got to do what we love. Um, and just rip. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I've seen it happen on every level, you know, like uh, I remember I had, I had a buddy, somebody died in his class. And I just remember like he, he said for the weekend, like he, you know, he just, he didn't race. And I thought that was good because if your head's not right and doing something like this, any, anything you do, if your head's not right, you should stop. And, you know, especially when it comes to racing. So you always want to know, you know, what that's like, but on the same, but in that track day we were at, somebody got hurt. I remember I was leaving the ambulance was there. And then a couple of weeks later, I think two people died that day. So it's like, you know, it, it sounds so cliche to say, but it's so true. It's like, you know what? You know, you could die. I could step off this, you know, curb here and, and slip and hit my head and that could be all over with, you know, God forbid if I am clumsy, but God forbid it happens. But, you know, at least you go out doing something you love doing because you just never know. And you got to get it all in because you don't you don't know when you're going to get that little hand on the shoulder and you look up and they go, hey, man, it's time. You go, ah, can I? And they go. And so I, I always said it to myself, I just want enough time. I hope so. I get enough time to go, okay, I did everything I want to do. And then, you know, fade to black. But that's what I want right. to do. So, you know, I don't want to make this so morbid, but let's, you know, let's go something positive. So, so let's say you're, so let's, let's move on to, to fast forward to this year, last race of the season. And like I said, watching you go for it. I mean, you were making, they were hard passes, nothing dirty. They were hard pass. And I was like, is this Chloe? The Chloe I know from the parking lot. And I mean, it was beautiful to watch you do what you did. And I got to give Kaylee a shout out because, man, she's so just giving. She goes, I wanted her to win the championship. I mean, I'm glad I won, but I wanted her to win. And, I, and she was fighting you. But how, the the camaraderie between you ladies, is that what is was that what it was like the whole season? Because there didn't seem to be any backstabbing it seemed to be everybody was wanting the best for everybody else but yet at the same time they worked hard to win is that was was that what it was like um i'd say the majority of the season everything was pretty good i mean everybody wanted to be competitive um yeah was there some like little headbutting there here and there of course any like any paddock there would be but it's like we did our best as a team to smash whatever drama there was because I mean, when you have negative feelings uh, and you go out on the track with that, that's not a good mindset to be in. So we tried to do everything in our power to just make sure there wasn't drama on uh, try and keep things smooth in the paddock. And uh, I mean, at the beginning of the season, uh, some people had mentioned, <laughs> I don't know how, if you saw it, but like, uh, like, for example, I wasn't too sure if I was going to like Kaylee, but like Kaylee was one of my favorite people by the end of the season. And, but I think, I, I think what, it was just that whole pain. Why, did, why didn't you think that way? In the, why didn't you think you like her? I mean, like, like, cause um, yeah. What was I, it? I didn't, I didn't quite get to talk to her too much at Barber at our first training. And I just kind of like, I was kind of like, mm, I know she's going to be my major competition. <laughs> and I was like, like, I'm a, like, I'm a super creep when it comes to like, like, anybody like i'll google the hell out of them just figure out like okay what are they about this and that so i googled everybody on the team like looked at all their race times listened to any podcasts they were on and so i was like i'm getting the dirt the juice on anybody and so like i knew who my top competitors were going to be this season and i knew she was going to be the top one and uh so and i just kind of kind of reserved and didn't really want to i was like i don't know about her and uh but then i actually freaking love her and i had a blast being around her we were pitted next to each other uh she was like before like i'm not like a person who's like super serious before i go out to race um i really like to just laugh and have a good time and keep it light and airy 
uh, so I don't get in my head too much. And her and I would be cracking jokes and uh, just doing all kinds of shenanigans. And <laughs> so it was good to be around her. And yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, like I said, I, I, lo- I love that. And I hit her up going, Hey, you got any funny stories about, uh, about Chloe? Cause you know, I got to have her on the show tomorrow. And she, and she just gave the greatest, like, like she built you up. She goes, no, nah, she's great. You're going to love her. I mean, she's funny. But bye. And I was like, all right. I mean, that's the, that's the kind of person she is. That was a DM. I was like, Hey man, what, you know, what's, what's she like? Give me, give me a funny story. And she goes, no. Nah. And he goes, she's funny enough. You'll, you'll see. And I was like, wow. I mean, there was, and, but, but what, but what if there was, what little bit of maybe backstabbing that you, that happened that you guys like, 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 like nipped in the bud real quick? Um, it, there really wasn't anything between me and Kaylee. Yeah. There's other girls on the team where I'm just like, like what, like what, like what, like what? Happened? I'm not mentioning, I'm not, no, no, it. no names, no names, but like what situations or what happened? No names, but like what situations um, happened? I think it's just social things like when you're a faster person and uh, you're around other people who are faster, it's kind of like that unwritten respect of like, hey, don't ask for tips if you know you're already fast. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of like somebody's just, I'm never one to create like conflict, but like, it's just like, there's too many questions I were asked and I just kind of was like, like get out of here (laughs) and then i felt really bad afterwards but it was just like like don't test the patients don't test the patients but but it's just and then i talked to her afterwards i'm like hey sorry i just went off on you but uh this this is this and she's like i get it i get it and then everything was fine after that but yeah it's just like yeah it's I mean, any pair. I don't think just gr- like that would happen to girls, but I think, yeah, it's just, yeah. Anybody. I mean, when we talk about racing, uh, a lot of racers talk about the red mist. That's what you get when, you, when you're when you a racer, you get mad. Did you ever get the red mist when you're racing? Like maybe like somebody put a move on you go, oh, really? Or something happened and you had to get it together. Otherwise, you would have like went out of your head. Did you ever get the red mist? Um, So I used to get that at track days and I realized I would ride crappier when I had the red mist. So I always ride smart mm-hmm. um and i don't try and ride desperate like uh you definitely want to make sure you're staying grounded and um take smart opportunities to pass people because i mean the only way to win a race or finish a race is by getting over the finish line so uh definitely staying smart humble and out there learning and trying to like figure out what everybody else is doing, I think is my riding style. Um, I mean, of course you're always like, I, yeah, I got to catch up. I got to catch up or like test people. Like I know a Brainerd, like there was some areas where Kaylee was a little bit slower and I'd show her a wheel and just to be like, I'm, I'm here. I'm putting the pressure. <laughs> on you. Cause sometimes when you show Kaylee a little bit of pressure, she's like, Oh no, but, uh, <laughs> but she learns really quick too. So it was fun riding with her because uh, she was always that like carrot that would push me, but then I'd push her. And it's when you ride with faster people, that's how you get faster. And iron, iron sharpens iron, iron sharpens yeah. iron. <laughs> yes, you know, it really does. And I thought it was great watching you two go at it, but watching the respect that you guys had. That's what I love more than anything. It's just, it was a respect and it was watching you like a genuine, just a love, uh, uh, an admiration, but yet still you guys went at it hard and you can't ask yeah. for anything more than that, right. you know? Yeah, so, I was surprised with how friendly we became by the end of the season, but I'm really happy for that. And I hope she goes really far in life with racing and her life in general, because she deserves it. And, uh, and yeah, so much respect for her. Now, what about you? Like, what's your, like, overall goals? Like, do you want to race? I mean, who knows? Maybe you want to race Super Sport Moto America? I mean, honestly, I mean, you've got your name out there, I think. You're already in the Moto America paddock. I've talked to Mallory Dobbs, who was awesome. I talked to her. Have you met her in the, in the paddock? Um, I have not. I actually started following her on Instagram, uh, like, I think a couple weeks ago. Um, and She's awesome. Her, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting her one day. 
I, th- I think you guys would be really good friends. She's great also. I think you guys would like each other. But yeah, where do you want to go like with this? I mean, you're still young, vibrant. You still got a little, uh, and you still got a little angst thing I could tell. So yeah, what do you want to do? Um, so I like to keep dreams attainable. Uh, so like, yeah, I don't want to just be like, yeah, I want to race a MotoGP. Because I was like, mm, that's that's not attainable at my age. I'm geriatric at this point for racing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I think my ultimate goal would be to get into twins cup. Uh, cause I think that would be the next logical level to move up to and, um, see whatever I can learn from that. And I know when I'm maybe not able to race at a high level anymore, if twins cup happens, uh, maybe eventually run a team one day. Um, really? I, really, I really love logistics and organizing things. And it was cool seeing how that worked for the BTR team, um, watching Bree do that. She's such an inspiration to put all that together. And uh, I mean, putting more girls under one tenth this year and figuring out the logistics of that was really cool to watch. And that'd be my ultimate goal one day would be run a team. Oh, good for you. I, mean, I think I think that would be perfect for you. I could see you doing it. I know the bikes would look great. If they oh, did, uh, yeah, designing livery for everybody. If that is how you say that word, livery. Yeah, yeah. livery. Yeah, I'm glad you said it because I don't know either. But yeah, I think it's livery, livery, livery. Tomato, 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 yeah. tomato. Yeah. I just want everybody's stuff to look super good, even if their teams might not be the fastest. I want them to look the best. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know they would. I know they would. But now I was going to ask you earlier, growing up, who are your role models when you're growing up? Like, who'd you look up to? Because I always have. I I look at it like this. I mean, for what you're doing, and we talked, we touched on this before, but I always say if women had good role models, I, I don't think, I think they'd be better in their relationships. They wouldn't rely so much on men or whatever. But I think, I, I, I think maybe it's going to be different now with the generation growing up. Now they have like, honestly, people like you to look up to. Okay. And they won't rely so much on, ah, a, a man's doing this. So I'll do this because I, you know, I want a boyfriend or whatever. They'll have attainable role models. You know, boys, we had Michael Jordan or this and that. So who was your role model growing up that you kind of like looked up to? You, this is going to sound so cliche, but like, I think my mom, because she didn't really have a tough childhood growing up, but like she didn't learn a lot of stuff until she learned the hard way. So forever, like when I was a kid, she would like break stuff down for me and like a really like, uh, like adult stuff down to like, be like, okay, well this might happen in your life. Protect yourself like this. Or like, Hey, this is how credit works for your credit card. Like she's like, I screwed this up and I don't want you to go through it. So she taught me everything that she wishes she would have known at an earlier age. So I think it's definitely my mom and uh, just my family in general are really good, like have super good work ethics. So like my mom, my dad, like my grandpa, like everybody works really hard in my family. So I think it was like all of them instilling like the passion to like find what you love, work hard, you'll get re- like rewarded for that and um, just be smart. Uh, common sense, yeah, <laughs> it's a big thing. So I think it's definitely my mom, my family. So I know I that's think, cliche, but. No, it's not cliche because some people, honestly, some people, it's sad, but some people, their moms weren't their role models. You know what I mean? And sometimes their mom might have been a role model, but they were bad role models. I mean, you know what I mean? Because I had a Mama D Diamond on and she was saying her, her mom was terrible. It was horrible. And she couldn't wait to leave. And, you know, I don't know how she, her mom ended up passing away and not really, you know, uh, coming to grips with that so much. So, yeah, I mean, so not everybody's the same. So I think that's beautiful. If you had a great role model, I think that's wonderful. And I think now I think girls will look up to you and you'll be their role model. Be- not because you're racing. And like I said, you're approachable and you're fun. And that little bit you do makes all the difference in the world. That little kind of autograph, yeah, or take a little picture and they'll put it on Instagram and they go, oh, and they'll they'll remember that. I mean, that li- that little thing you do, they're gonna remember that. So I think it's beautiful. I mean it from the bottom of our Chloe Peterson, it's beautiful. I know we talked about this. I know you said you may have some questions for me. So before we got out of here, you got any questions for me? Since you wanted to turn yeah. the tide on me, so go ahead. Oh, yeah. I I just like so I always listen to like Joe Rogan's podcast and like he always talks like he talks to different comedians about like how they got their start in it Mm -hmm. and like I know you said that you do uh like 
comedy stuff like full time like how did you just decide you know what we're gonna like the I think what's fascinating for me is like you might have like a like Harry Potter reference but like your muggle job and like how, how do you break over <laughs> break over into like the uh like okay you're like I call it quits on that and we're just gonna jump in because that's such a scary jump to no a scary jump to me is uh having a regular job every day, getting up and having to be at work at eight or nine. And I really think if I did that, then I'd be one of those people you hear about on CNN, like, oh my God, tragedy strikes at the workplace. You know what I mean? My mugshot would be up like this and I'd be like this. I go, he snapped for no reason. You know what I mean? So yeah, that would be me. I mean, as long as I can live, uh, remember, I just, it was always comedy, man. It was always one to entertain. And I always felt I was a little bit different from everybody growing up. And I liked that, but it was just, it was sincere though. It's like, I definitely don't want to stay here in Oklahoma. I wanted to move. And so, and I just love making people laugh and I love talking to different people. And I was always a little bit different in a sense of like, I always walked that line of like, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma in 70s, 80s, you know, so it's like, there was that line, you know, like immediate east side was all white, immediate west side was all black. But I had friends from all different. And I had, you know, my buddy would come over. And I always say this in every podcast. He was eight years old. And he would ride his Suzuki 80 across town, across a major highway at eight years old to come ride with me. And nobody thought shit about it. Nobody. Like, he, he would pass cops. He's like, he, he's in third grade. He's passed a cop to come ride with me on the road on the 80. His parents didn't care. My parents, my parents like, hey, uh, Mark, you know, it's getting late. You might want to go back home. Yeah, okay, Mr. Trill. And he, would, <laughs> and he would go back home. Never thought like he's got to cross this major highway. Nobody, nobody thought shit about it. So I grew up that way and I just love talking to different people from different walks of life. And, and it's like, I take that everything, I, every person I talk to, I take that. I, from this, I take the fact that I love how it's similar to the way I think, and I'm glad you said it, how you were a chubby chaser and how you make a spreadsheet and you take different things from every aspect of relationship. And that's beautiful. And I, and honestly, I take that from this, uh, from this conversation because everybody, no matter who they are, you could take a little bit of something and go, huh. So I listen to everything. I hear everything and I listen to everything. Where, whether I apply it or not, that's different. But and I, I just love that. But I love, and it's, this sounds so cheesy, but I'm a cheesy dude. I just like to see people's, I like to see people happy. I really do. I like to see people happy. I like to see people laugh. You know what I mean? And that to me is the most important thing in life. And it sounds so cheesy, but man, if somebody, when they leave and they go, you know what? I needed that laugh. And I could tell that's not even coming from just, you know, saying shit. They, they, they go, I needed that laugh. And I go, okay. And I'll just leave it at that. Cause I, I know something else is there and I don't want to get into it, but yeah, that's why. Yeah. Anything else you want to grill me on and be the white Oprah here and talk to me about anything else you want to grill me on? Uh, so, okay. It sounds like you started writing pretty young. Um, so and you, you go out to all these track days, like how did you get your start into like doing track stuff or, you know, it's just, you know, I started when I was like a third grade, you know, and uh, I, I got a motorcycle for my birthday. My dad was cool. Gave me a little mini bike and growing up in Oklahoma, I literally had, the, the, I had a, a, a church parking lot that I rode in and then there was another field a block away. And then next door, we literally had natural whoops in, in the ground. And so I would act like I was on motocross and I would do the whoops. I literally, and so I had all these places to ride. And then, you know, I got older, my parents split up. So I didn't get a chance to get the 125 that I wanted. So I didn't ride again until 2006. And I'm a Gemini. That's why it's tells from Gemini. And I'm a Gemini. So when I like something, I like something. And I'm like this with it. And motorcycling and comedy are the only things that I didn't go, okay, that was fun. Now I'm done. You know, like I, I played hockey a little bit when I was in California. And when I came here to Indianapolis, I, I didn't pick up a stick again. You know, and that faded to, I had a good time, but I pushed it aside like broccoli. And then, and then when it, you know, but, but motorcycles have always been like, it, it, it's, I, my riding is gradually like, it went from, you know, sport bike to now I got to, you know, I go cross country. I love cross country rides now. I love, you know, r traveling on a motorcycle. I think that's great. And I love the track days and just, I want to get, I want to get a knee down. It's, it, it's bugging me to the point. It's almost like. It, 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 it's messing with my psyche. So I want to get a knee down and I want to race you and beat you, but I want to get a knee down definitely. So yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. 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 Well, getting a knee down doesn't necessarily mean you're fast. Just I know, know it doesn't, but I still, I still want to beat you though. I still want to, I want us to pick a track. I want you to pick a track and we're going to do it. And then I want to get a knee down and I want to beat you. And I want to be like, nah, 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 you know, and, and then I don't know. Right. 
fine. <laughs> you, you want me to go on my RC390 and then you'll get on the S1000R and like, I, that'd be fun. I think that'd be fun. You ain't got to be like that. You ain't got to be like that. I, that was, I, I felt a little, that was kind of dirty right there, what you just did. You ain't got to be like that. I mean, you're, oh, like, you're better than me, but you ain't got to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 big, you're, you're bigger than that, Chloe. You're bigger than that, Chloe. You're bigger than that as a person, Chloe. God damn it, Chloe. Uh, I go on an R6 and then you go on the S1000R. <laughs> be nice. Be nice. I know. There's so many ways you can beat me. One of the, before we get out of here, before we get out of here and before you hurt my feelings again, uh, when's, uh, when's the big wedding day? When's the big, when, when's the big date, the wedding day? Uh, the February 25th. You can't interrupt race season, so we're having it in the winter. God, that's why you're a keeper. You can't interrupt race season. That's my kind of woman right there. He's got the right one. I love a fiance. Never met him, but I know I would love the guy. Honestly, you guys are made for each other. You're beautiful. I love what you guys are doing. And I love, and shout out to Royal Enfield and shout out to Bree. What Bree Poland has done, what Royal Enfield has done, honestly, it's great. It's great for women. I think it's great for the women, especially the, the time is now. And what they're doing can't be understated. It's great empowering women and your role models, whether you believe it or not, your role models and what you guys are doing is beautiful. Chloe Peterson, thank you so much for your time. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I hope your first podcast was fun. Oh, it was a blast. I'm going to need a wheelchair now, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Your first time was with a black guy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's a a BBP, the big black podcast. (laughs) 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 I better stop this right now for you get in trouble and there'll be no February 25th for you. You know, your your boyfriend be like, what? So anyway... Thank you so much for t- anything else you want to say. Anybody you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, Bree, thank you so much. You've changed my life and I am so grateful for you because I'm going to be on the up and up from here. And uh, I can't thank you enough. I can't give you enough money. I can't give you enough <laughs> gifts. It's you did so much for me. So I appreciate you, Bree. And I appreciate you, Chloe. Honest, I appreciate you for being on this podcast. I really mean this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you, Kaylee B, for your little, like, the DM about you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And everybody for watching Tales from a Gemini. Thank you so much, Chloe Peterson. Good luck next season. Good luck in your marriage. Happy, I don't know what you say, happy marriage, I guess, whatever. Happy that. And thanks, for everybody, for watching. And like I said, about this time, you know the word. Peace.